Good evening, I'm Ted Koppel. Surely everyone knows by now that Buckwheat is dead. But for those of you who have not seen the videotape of Buckwheat being shot, let's take a look. We're having a patio party. I need plenty of chicken to go. Well, sir, you should try our new Pirate's Dozen. You ask for a dozen, but you get 13 white meat chicken pies. It's a boneless bonus from Long John Silver's. It's cheaper by a pirate's dozen. At Long John Silver. Bring a big appetite, but don't bring a lot of money. <laughs> the fresher your bread is, the better your sandwich tastes. And bread just doesn't come any better tasting than Mrs. Baird's, or any fresher. The Baird family bakes Mrs. Baird's bread to do more than just hold a sandwich together. We make sure the bread adds good taste with a fresh flavor of its own. At Mrs. Baird's, it's our business to make a good sandwich taste even better. Ty Webb, Heavy Longmire, Gustav Mateblanc. Is GLK London transmitting on the short wave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 250 megacycles per second? This is GLK London transmitting on the short wave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 250 megacycles per second. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Come on then, Plato, enlighten me. Don't you have, what about those the fryers over there? Mm hmm. You do turkey in there? I'll do turkey. I've done Chitlin. shrimp. I've done raccoon. I've done chickens. Strippers. No, never. No. Striper? No. No. Why don't we ever have a fish fry? We need to have a fish fry. We need to have Let's all meet fry. up at David Beard's for a... For a fish fry dinner? Well, we got to get Steve. Yeah. Baltimore Steve. We, we got to do that a, much. We're going to do a live shot. We could make an East Texas but, tour. Yeah. We got Captain D's. Were y'all ever a fan of Captain D's? No. You know, I was always a Long John Silver's man. With the Krusties or whatever they yeah, were called? Yeah, Krispies. Krispies. When was the last time you ate at one? There's one right down from my work that I hadn't eaten on. I, I get one about every six months. What do you get? Are I you get, are we recording? Yeah, we're recording. Okay. We've been recording as you listen. The chicken's all the pretty good. You, uh, what, what do you get at Long John Silver? I get, I'm tempted. Okay, I get... One piece of fish. Just one? Hold on. Two planks of chicken. Nice piece of fish. Chicken. The chicken's good, the man. The chicken's fucking How good. How do they cook it? What's they fry everything. Fry? What's a plank of chicken? It's like a slice of breast. It's a tender. Okay. I except gotcha. it's battered in their delicious batter. Okay. And then I get a shitload of hush puppies. Because they are my... Do they have the skinny hush puppies or the round hush uh, puppies? No, they got the round... Uh, land, uh, the... Sea mine hush puppies, like God intended. Okay, and they are the goat of hush puppies. Well, they do have a good hush puppy who says they are not the best hush puppies. I always liked those long, skinny hush puppies at that place over no. in Paris. Oh, because no. they fit perfect in those yeah. little country, country crowd. Yeah, dishes. Yeah. Just <laughs> dip them in there like a fat finger. Yeah. No. Now that that the Long John Silver's. Now I eat it. I enjoy it for about the first 10 bites, and then I regret my decision for another six months. Do you? Yeah. Worth it. It's way heavy. I mean, it's 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 so heavy. I mean, it's worth it because that's my youth. You know, I remember yeah. going and you got you to- get a hat? You, you could still get a hat, I think, but they don't have the, remember the treasure chest with the oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. toys in yeah. it that you would get? Well, see, you're doing Long John Silver's wrong, though, because you're not hitting it with the vinegar. Yeah, we've already established <laughs> that I don't like the vinegar. Bless you. Bless you. Do it again, buddy. Are you a two-sneeze guy? He wants to. He's holding it in. He's not going to do it. He ain't got it. Can't do it. I can only do one these days. <laughs> it happens, buddy. Well, this is Can You Hear Me, the podcast of three guys that can only do one these days. I am Gustav Monteblanc. I am Ty Webb. And I am America's favorite, Heavy Longmire. And you can find us on the internet at Can You Hear Me Pod. Dot com. That's where all of our mini episodes are available, plus extensive show notes if you'd ever like to see anything. And we are on social media, Facebook, Instagram, 
You can even find me on Snapchat if you want to. I'll talk to you. And if you I, can get a transcript if you send a self-addressed stamped, stamped envelope. envelope. Pueblo, Colorado. And you can find us on Twitter, Can You Hear Me Pod? And you can email us at canyouhearmepod at gmail.com. But individually, if you would like to interact with the one and only Heavy Longmire, you can find me on Twitter at Longmire Heavy. I am at TyWeb3000, DMs only. And I am at Real Gustav. All right, so there's the housekeeping because we did have a potential listener try us out for like 11 minutes on the Mexican internet episode, which Ty has yet to listen to because he says he doesn't need to hear Jay Cranfield. I only listen when I'm on. But in we, 11 minutes, they get pissed off and turn us off or I what? I think they're like wondering who the hell we were because usually we do a pretty good job. We have a little bit of, you know, light banter gotcha. and then we self-identify. But on that one, I do remember we went way long. Okay, before we before we said who the hell we were. Okay, and that's probably not the best episode to jump into. But yeah, know, that was the third episode of the night, which is typically the loosest episode. It's a little little loose around the corners. Weird. It's a little goosey. What up? What up? Good thing I edited out all that silence. There you go. I just took a brief nap. I don't know if Ty has noticed. I know I showed Gustav earlier. Your I new have, shorts? I have a little project. Hey, wait, I noticed these shorts, too, with the little frayed edges. Yeah, yeah. Did you buy those like that? No, they used to be dress pants, and I cut them off. They're not high enough up to be cutoffs. Is that I a docker? Them, I wanted them a little bit longer. This is like beachcomber. Like when exactly, beachcombers. That's what I had in mind, like clam diggers. Like the episode where of Andy Griffith's show where Howard Sprague decides to go be a beach bum, and he quits his job. And he moves to some Caribbean island. Have you ever seen that one? I don't, that well, I haven't because I haven't seen Andy Griffith. Well, but. you know, it's in the bad times and the color, you know. Oh, yeah. You know. I didn't like but it's those. very interesting Whoa. that he just goes to become just a beach bum. And then at the end of the episode, he comes, comes back, back home. Comes back to Mayberry. As one is wont to do. They well, need to be higher up so there's the risk of a nut. No, 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 no. Big old no. tater nut just rolling he, out. <laughs> those are my dress cutoffs. Well, I, ex- cut off. I yeah. expect Heavy to be leading this discussion because I believe the text said earlier today, I got all kinds of shit to talk about. So, okay. Let's, st- <laughs> let's start with this. As, which this is going to come out in like two weeks, you know, and I, do you have any family down in the Houston area? No. How about you, Gus? I know you don't. No. No. I've got two cousins down uh, there. You know what? There may be some distant people that I don't have anything to do with. Right. Okay. I've got two cousins that live down there that, you know, we're fairly close. And and uh got a friend that lives down there. We I have JJ keep, that lives down there. Have JJ, too. have a friend from high school that lives down there that I keep up with. And uh, so that's just been awful watching that stuff. That been, well, that's been Heavy's Harvey update. Thanks, buddy. The, uh, Anything else? Thursday afternoon, my wife. No, Thursday morning. Because it makes a difference. Right. My wife texts me. She's like, oh my gosh, I stopped to get gas this morning on the way to work. And there was like this huge line at the gas station by our house. So I went down the street to the 7-Eleven. They were out. And then I go to this other place. They were charging four twenty five a gallon. Wow. She said, but I needed gas, so I had to get it. I was like, wow, that sucks. She's like, people are saying there's a gas shortage. I'm like, there's not a damn gas shortage. I said, there's a shortage because people are, everybody rushes to the pump at once. Same thing happened during Katrina and Rita. Do you remember this? No. I was in that line of work back then, so I do remember it. Right. And it's that's back when you worked as a service station technician. I've (laughs) come out and wash the the windows, windows. goober, check the oil. What a you had a hell of a jumpsuit. Yeah. So anyway, it's like, there's not, she's like, you, you need to go get some. I was like, I don't need gas. She's like, well, what, you might need it. I was like, well, yeah, eventually I will, but I don't need any right now. So I'm not going to add to the knuckleheads that are rushing to get gas. Well, and you're biking I've, a lot of places I've now. Got three quarters of a tank. I don't need gas right now. And I just shook my head as I drove to work and looked at the long lines at the QT, or no, actually QT was out, then racetrack. By my house, had a line, all, the whole 
one lane backed up all the way to I-75. You thought Carter was president again? To, uh, and I'm like, what in the shit? This is, people are nuts. It and is I, amazing how fast that panic Yeah, and then I get to thinking, I'm like, I guarantee our buddy Gus is at the gas station filling up gas cans, just in case. All right, first off, I keep more NATO surplus jerry cans than most people have to begin with. And I keep them full because I am prepared for something to happen. A disruption of service is what I prepare for. Do you have a generator? No. But... I did, well, okay, you look askew at me, like, how does he not have a generator, okay? Do you have power? I don't have a generator, because, as a general rule, gasoline generators are very inefficient. It takes a lot of gas yes, it does. to keep a generator going. Yes, it does. And if I was geared towards keeping a generator, I would have to, as you put it earlier, hoard gasoline right, to keep it to be a, a sustainable thing. Now, what I did recently invest in, because of previous conversations with the great Professor Brad, if you want to go back to those episodes, and his plan to move to Marfa and bury a shipping container, yeah, I went to Harbor Freight and bought a 100-watt solar panel array, and I'm going to see how long that will power like a um, a small air conditioner and things like that. And I've got... Batteries. Fuck the refrigerator. You just want the window. No, that was that was the whole thing for Brad's things. I'm worried about Brad being out there dying of heat stroke in a shipping container. Right. Just the meat cook off the bones. Right. Gets real tender. But he just sits out there and renders (laughs) (laughs) like a nice roux. Just find him six months later. Just a puddle of grease and bones. (laughs) All the grease. Did I tell you about how? He had bought something that was like a, it was it was beef at Aldi. It was like ground beef. Red it, flag. It right had a there. high percentage of horse beef heart. Oh, in the shit. ground beef. Yeah, about ninety nine cents a pound. Yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. You got to watch some Germans and that Aldi stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so I haven't played with it because we've gotten so much rain here lately that I haven't had a day where I could go put them out there and where I was free to do it. But I am looking at maybe, you know, expanding the number of uh, panels, if that's good, and some batteries. and The number of panels. Right. So right now it's a three-panel It's a three panel thing that generates 100 watts. Okay. So it's not like you're adding kit. on to existing no, panels. No, no, no. Okay. Now, which I know, I mean. Oh, hold on. Before we go too far, I have a friend that, that said, was worried about getting gas on the way over here tonight. Is that me? That's that's Ty. Okay. Yeah. And I said, hey, I can bring you a couple of cans of gas. Yeah. I'll help you out, buddy. Right. I'm your friend. Thank I you. I told him you should stop you. at the damn gas station. Yeah. Where they're out. No, they're not out. They all might right. be now when he goes by. That's all right. I, I Ninjas get, might attack us later on tonight. I, I can mean, get you to Rick I can get you to rickshaw me home if I need to. Yeah. How long? How far down the street do you think he could rickshaw you? Well, this is a this was a hill, so it can roll down to the bottom of the street. I put I put the over under at about ten meters. Yeah, we get to the bottom of the hill. I wouldn't be hooked to the rickshaw though. I'd you'd just be I'd, watching. Yeah, he'd hop up on it. Yeah, he'd counterbalance it. Yeah. yeah. You'd be so, sitting back there with me with a parasol. Because he's the king of <laughs> ca- counterbalancing things. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's expert at counterbalance. This made me think of, I remember probably in about, oh, no. It's about 2010, 2011. Gus had texted me this video or this article about this supposed shortage of some kind of rice. Okay. They use in the Middle East or something. It's like <laughs> this is highly Asia, generic in, in Asia. I was like, okay, whatever. Like we, white we talked rice? about it. Well, then, like the next week, he texts me. He's like, I was at Sam's today, and they're limiting the purchase of fifty pound bags of rice <laughs> to, to four per customer. This is real. I'm like, well, goddamn, how much rice do you need? Two hundred pounds, and he's up there bitching. I mean, shit. <laughs> they limited you to two hundred pounds. Sorry, bud. I mean, they only gave me one fucking pallet. That's that's not called a shortage. It's called the 
the, the delivery truck had a flat. They're worried about him getting on the secondary market. With you it. know? And now I will admit that our supply chain that the United States depends on. Fragile is as hell. Very fragile. Because people don't keep back stock of shit. Or they keep limited back stock. Yes. Which nowadays, yeah. no. in, in retail, which I've never been in the grocery business. But like retail, <laughs> retail stuff. Point of clarity. You know, you figure for about you shoot for nine days worth of back stock. Now, grocery as, stores don't. As far as grocery stores, I don't know what they shoot no, for. As far as back stock, it's a it's maybe three days. At most grocery stores, it's literally a daily replenishment. Right. I mean, you might be a, a day lag behind, or I haven't worked in grocery in 20-something years, but it's maybe a day or two behind as far yeah. as what you've got sitting in the back in on pallets to yeah. be stocked. But right. there's, and I can't imagine it, it has gotten any longer of a, of yeah. a backlog. You know, because, I mean, people, I mean, we finally you sit on it. You're sitting on inventory. You're sitting on money. Yep. You yeah. Know? So, it's like nothing pisses my dad off worse than to go buy tires they're like, well, we don't have them in stock, but we'll order them for you. They'll be here tomorrow. No, I don't want them tomorrow. I want them now. Right. I don't know where to keep any. I was like, well, Dad, they don't keep right one yeah. of you know four of everything on the. Well, that's why they. You know, it's like right. well, shit. It doesn't work like that yeah, anymore, I mean, man. We grew up in a time when let me go. Why, why don't you go check in the back? Mm-hmm. And people went and checked in the back, and they might have had it, you know. But now it's like, I, you know, shoe stores. When we were kids. Everything was in the back. You right. tried. You, they measured your foot. You picked out what you wanted, and then they went to the back to the to back get the box. and brought you the shoe. Right now, it's all out there on the front. If it's not there, right, you know, they don't have it. They don't have it. I went to. Uh, I was looking. I, I owe Stan Bailey in Rhode Island a T-shirt. Okay, and he wanted a size, and so I went to Walmart to get one to print, and they didn't have it at the Walmart in town. So I had to go over to the next town over to get it because I knew there was no right more t-shirts in the back of that size so yeah, yeah we are, our supply chain is delicate you know and jj he didn't starve while he was stuck at his uh right condo or whatever it is but he didn't have the food he probably should have had you know everybody ought to have at least a good solid 72 hours worth of food and water yeah you know you know you should have at least three backup cans of spam you, you should have food that you would want to eat. You know, there's a big difference in having to survive versus be comfortable. Now, I will agree the one thing that would be the most challenging for me, and I think for most people, would be water. Because that's something, you know, like canned goods and stuff, you can buy them, throw them in the pantry, you know, rotate them out, not worry about it getting that old. Water, you got you to gotta kind of care for water stockpile. To a degree, and rotate that stuff out. And well, you need a the the rule of thumb is a gallon per person per day, right? And, and that's just for consumption. Well, I mean, it's that's, yeah, that's it, not. I mean, if you if you limit it, you know. But obviously, if you're using your water storage to flush your toilet after the water's not working, right? You got and, a problem, right? You need to you need know, to reevaluate things. reevaluate things. <laughs> This all ties into a Twitter question. No, oh, okay. From one Toledo. No. Tell it. Tell it Toledo. So he asks Kojak, need you to break down on how long it would be possible to hide out on a large West Texas ranch. And besides water, honey buns, and camel menthols, what else do I need in my bug out bag? Man, West Texas scares me. It's a it's a that's a rough place thin slice of life right there. Yeah, I like the Comancheria. I I mean I get west of Fort Worth and I start because I think about stuff like that when I'm driving places or like in new country, right? You know, because I'm familiar with what we kind of grew up in in this North Texas, Northeast Texas area. But you get out west of Fort Worth, where and you get you know even further west, the further west you go. Man, it just it gets barren and it gets tough. I mean, it's a charming even, landscape, but it's deadly. Even to like build a freaking campfire, yeah. You know? And and again, water. You know, even in where we grew up, you'd be able to find water. Now, of course, you're going to have to purify it, right? But you can find water. 
you get out west, shit, good luck. Right. Yeah, it the water's water's always your biggest thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can short of being, you know, you know, what's the hierarchy of uh of needs for survival? It's obviously air is a first and then water and water, shelter, shelter food. and I think it's fire, water, shelter. Yeah. So I think it's how it's right. I mean, fire is one of those things that in itself in a survival environment, if you're in a true survival situation where you're lost, well that gives you a a beacon that somebody could spot. It gives you warmth, even in if it's hot. It still gives you. It's reassuring, right? You know, you you. There's something you. First off, you, you have miss- some control over something, right? You know, and you're in a situation that you really don't have any control. And then you can build that fire, and it can provide morale and everything. And cook your steaks on cook it. Cook your steaks, but man, yeah, West Texas. It's what's what's the old. Uh, Level land line from James McMurtry. Wonder why they stopped here. Wagon, wagon must have lost a will, will or they, they lacked, lacked ambition. ambition one. It's one of those places you would be hard pressed. Yeah. You know, there's a reason there weren't giant Comanche villages. Right. Yeah. You know, it's not a place that's made to just. It's nomadic land. Out, stri- you know, build a civilization in. Hats off to uh, those settlers that made it out there. I don't know. I mean, a ranch. If it's got a windmill that's pumping water, then you're already ahead of the game. Or if it's got some... But if you're wanting to hide out... Hiding out's a whole other thing. Hiding out makes me... Reminds me of one of our favorite Kevin Welch songs, Wilson's Tracks. Oh, God, I love you that You may song. have never heard of Kevin Welch. I bet Ty hasn't. I, I can promise you I haven't. I need to get you some Kevin Welch. Yes. Old Kevin Welch. I don't know how... Yeah. He's, new stuff's not very, he's doing he's recording with his son now. Oh yeah, that's always a bad And it's the what was the song uh he dedicated to his son? Oh yeah. Where, uh what was the name of the song? Uh, uh, leaving Birmingham or something. No. No, it's where he flies yeah. in uh I know the one you're talking to. You're it's talking about Justin. Okay. Cuz the song is Justin's song. Yeah. And uh or Dustin. Dustin. That's <clears throat> yeah, what it's it is. Dustin off Dustin's that first song. album. And uh our song to Dustin. That's what it's called. Is that the name of it? Something Are you sure like it's that. not song to Dunstan? We found him. We found and, uh, his body, his skeleton. Yeah, Kevin Welsh, that old stuff. That whole Silas Marner soundtrack so was awesome. So good. Okay, Kevin Welsh was a, a songwriter we found early 90s. A Texas guy? 92. No, he's from Nashville. No, he's from Oklahoma. Was where he's yeah. from, but he was based out of Nashville. He used to come through and play Poor David's Pub a lot in like 94 era. Great albums. I have little memory Super of 94 stuff. era. Uh, he was... Super. Okay, anyway, Wilson's track's about a guy that headed off into the woods because they were after him and you're never going to find him because he could live out there. It's like a Rambo. I mean, that would definitely, I would think, would be one of the hardest parts of Texas to have to hide out and survive in. Yeah. Well, there's. I remember reading in, I think it was like, I can't remember if it was Outside or Backpacker Magazine. This trail... There's this trail that goes from It's like, one of the two. Yeah. Backpacker magazine. What the fuck? You don't ever read Backpacker? That's a real magazine. No, I've never read oh, Backpacker magazine. magazine. There's a trail that goes from <laughs> somewhere around Marfa down into Big Bend. Yeah. I do get Trapper Keeper monthly, though. Okay. And uh, I can't remember how long the trail is, but there's no water. Right. And to complete the trail, you have to go out ahead of time in like a vehicle and stash and stash water to be able to make to be able to complete this trail. I hope the coyotes don't take it yeah, from you. Yeah, exactly. I hope the coyotes or the mules don't find it. Boy, that would and be a. I wasn't talking about four legged coyotes. No, I was talking about the two legged. That would be a trail that I would definitely be armed on. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be an idiot not to, and uh, or dead. But yeah, I was like, God, that's just that's tough country out there, yeah. man. Every time I drive across it, I'm like, because I had, I mean, part of our branch of the family tree moved out West Texas in like the early 40s, yeah, to start farming out there. They left the they left God's country, and there's like three of my grandpa's brothers went out west, and I mean, they became successful farmers. And, what uh, were they farming? Wheat, cotton, land wheat, uh, a little bit of everything. Whatever. I mean, they were 
pretty big time farmers, you know, for back then. Yeah. But the few times I've been out there, I'm like, shit. No, it's a hard is, land. This tough country, boy. I had a friend when I was out there at Tech. There's a reason there's a lot of alcoholics out there. Yeah. yeah. That his family had some land pretty close to the New Mexico line. Mm-hmm. And we went out there to dove hunt about this time of year. And they had every vehicle or piece of machinery that that family had ever bought for the last 50 years just out there. Yeah. Just in, in a, you know, and it wasn't just was in a one graveyard sp- or were they still using it? A graveyard. Okay. And it wasn't just in one spot. You'd be like going along and right. here's like a 70 Dodge Charger, you know, with no window glass this is where or it anything. Broke down. Yeah. <laughs> and there would be abandoned houses along, you know, it's just a, it was just surreal. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> unlike parts of Oklahoma in the back, woods that i've been in and felt very uneasy mm-hmm. i didn't feel uneasy out there at all because i knew there wasn't anybody right, else wide open yeah yeah at you least know. you can see stuff yeah, coming. you could spot right. them coming from a mile and a half away yeah i don't know it that's a tough place to to survive at now i know you know trav's out there that way and toledo's out there and it's a they may have a, a more comfort level maybe because we are used to being around trees and whatnot. Trees and water and It is a cool and, landscape. Oh, yeah. It's great. I mean, it's, it's the views, I think it's gorgeous, the sunsets you know? are amazing out there. But I, and I, I guess I'm strange. When I have traveled outside of Texas, in, which I hadn't traveled near as extensively as Gus, and I'm sure not as much as you, Ty, but like when I went to, went to a conference several years ago up in Washington State, and the guy I was staying with, uh, or the guy I was with, he had some relatives up there. So we stayed at their house and drove into Seattle. Oh, and, imagine Heavy coming to your house and you don't know him. <laughs> so anyway, our, and they had this gorgeous piece Saunters of property in. out on a Woodby Island, which is an island outside of off the coast of Seattle out in Puget Sound, which you got to take the ferry and all yeah. that stuff. I mean, it's really cool. Right. But I remember being out in their backyard and just looking around, and it's gorgeous. And I'm like, I don't know a single one of these tree species. And it's just like you're plucked from everything you know, and you're set down in a completely new environment. It's like a whole other universe. Like, this is really cool, but I, I wouldn't even know. You what get disoriented. Like, I mean, like I feel comfort. And being in the woods here, I know that if I needed to do something, this is where I've, you know, I know what's what. I know the right. plants. I know the flora. You know, that kind of stuff. Same thing, the one time I've been to... You know the word flora? To Been to California. Kind of, I guess that's Southern California. Long Beach, is that... Yeah, that's that technically that, Southern California. Southern yeah. I, which that's a, you know, manic, manicured landscape. Yeah, there's, there's I remember no looking green the, spaces in Long Beach. <laughs> I remember looking at the, driving up the Pacific Coast Highway, and I remember looking at the trees like, this is really pretty, but what the fuck kind of trees are that? I don't know what any of this is. There's no oaks, there's no hickories, right. there's no cedar trees, there's no elms, there's no, I don't know what any of this stuff is. I don't know if, okay, would that be good for making a campfire out of? Right. Would this be good for doing the, you know, it's like Everything's just foreign to you, and totally, it makes me feel very uneasy. Totally yeah. ruined his natural cordage-making uh, sensibilities. He wasn't sure what yeah. he could start to. Yeah. I was like, I mean, when you've been in different places like that, do you oh, look yeah, at the yeah. landscapes oh, yeah. and think I the mean, same things? I think everything. I think that, and then I, I get in some places, especially if I have to drive past, you know, I can't just fly to where I'm going, and I have to drive through mm-hmm. backwoods parts. I wonder what people do there. Yeah, I mean, hell, there's parts of Texas that I wonder that too. But yeah. you know, especially when I, I'm not familiar with the local what's industry. there in industry yeah. and you know, infrastructure, and you'll be someplace and you're like, "What the hell do these people do?" Yeah, and you may see, you know, a giant mountain of firewood, and you're like, "Well, that guy cuts firewood." That guy cuts firewood, but I wouldn't know which tree he cut. I could probably go right. figure it out. But yeah, yeah, no, I have the same thing. And one of the things that I always think about, especially all the time that I've spent in California, and I spent most of the time in Southern California or the desert, and I'm like, people aren't supposed to be here. Yeah, you know, it's a freaking desert. The yeah. the tribes that were there for the most part were subsistent 
hunter gatherers just yeah. eking out and, and they were this small is even, tribes this is even like in what now is the most heavily populated area you know it's not like there there they, were no they were small tribes for a reason because right. the environment could not sustain large populations now, of people and, and now they have water crisis and, yeah. and everything it's like well it's because you're not supposed to be here yeah you know there's, there's a reason why in the pacific northwest they're building long houses and creating this great culture same way in the Northeast with and the same Iroquois. Same in the Northeast and the Iroquois, you know, but then you push up further north and you get too far north and, yeah. you know, you, anyway, and the mound builders in the south because we were supposed to be there, yeah. but now not there. The only thing I can't explain is the Navajo and the, the Zuni and... You can or can't? I can't. They came from the Anasazi. I know what they came from, although have you, have you ever read any, and it's purely speculation, I think there's some people doing research... There are linguistic similarities between Japanese and Zuni. I've never read that. Look into that. It's I haven't del- delved deep, but I've seen a couple of mentions of it, and I haven't seen if there's been genetic testing to see if yeah. there's similarities there. But apparently, there's and I know what got me onto this. Somebody on Twitter was talking about Code Talkers and the Navajo. Oh, yeah. Toledo, oh, yeah. I think. And that's that, a good movie. It is good. good yeah. Wind Talker. I think I've seen yeah, part of that. Wind Talker. But there were also, you know, I know some of the tribes in Oklahoma. Yeah, the Choctaws. Choctaw were big did on that. also too. They contributed a lot. But, uh, but yeah, possible Zuni Japanese settlers, maybe. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. I'm reading that Empire of the Summer Moon right now. Are you? What do you Man, think? It's so good. It, how far into it are you? I'm about page ten. I'm about two thirds of the way through. No, it's a great book. Yeah. When you when you get done, I'll swap you uh, the Sand Mountain. Yeah. yeah. And didn't you find it interesting? To me, this is the point of the part of the book that just kind of blew me away when it was talking about like down around Austin and San Antonio. They were just small villages at yeah. the time. Every summer, these Indians would come in and raid the countryside and then just freaking disappear. Yep. And they had no idea where, you know, and the white folks and, and the, you know, Tejanos would, you know, try to chase them, but they never could keep up with them. Never could go as far. Their horses never could go as far as these Indian horses could. Right. So they had no idea where these people were coming from. Well, no big, idea how many there were. How many there were. Yeah. They had no idea that this raiding party set out from like, you know, basically about where just north of Atlas, Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. You know. The distances just, they could would, travel. And just would storm down through West Texas, down into the Presidio country. And it just... And, and the whites and the Mexicans and the Tejanos, they they couldn't keep up with them. If, yeah, I mean, know, they're trying to chase them. It was like, and then just the sheer horror oh. that the Comanches put in these people as far as just coming through and wiping out entire, because they just, they wanted the Mexican horses. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they were, the, you know, they'd take these Mexican horses from these big ranches in Mexico, take them back up into the plains, and they'd trade them to the other tribes. Yeah. And like cattle and stuff on these presidios, hell, they'd butcher, they'd slaughter everything. Goat, sheep, cows, they didn't want that shit. They wanted the horses. Well, the number of, I mean, the number of buffalo uh, at the, at that time, too, that were, I mean, it's just, it's amazing to like just take your mind back to if you could have just yeah. seen the landscape seen at that time. Like. And yeah. the, I mean, the amount of distances they could travel yeah. was just I mean, their horsemanship, of course, I mean, is, you know, right. famous, but... Dothraki got nothing on the command. No, but, I mean, good night, they could travel a long way in a short period of time. And I did find it interesting, and this is a little callback here, and I've remembered this, when we had Brad on and we're discussing uh, Blood Meridian, we talked right. about the Comanches and stuff, and we talked about the Comanches' tendency to kidnap white Mexican children. Right. And he brought up the point that there's historians that believe the main reason of that was to propagate the tribe because they had really low birth rates. Yeah. Fertility rate was pretty low. Right. The, and they think partly was because of diet. Well, and, that was some hard-ass living, and, too. And partly because of the amount of time they spent horseback. On a horse. Yeah. I so mean, they the, lived the, on horseback. The men probably had low sperm counts. And then said, "Just well, they were dragging those damn buffalo carcasses around, and I mean, they were doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah. Those well, women I mean, were. If you, but, and if you're thinking about, so you ride a horse right now, and I don't know the last time you rode a horse. Years. 
I don't like to gallop now at no, all. No, it hurts. It hurts my balls. And it hurts that's my even, balls and my back. That's even, you know, bracing myself in the saddle and yeah. in the stirrups and everything. I'm just not built for it now. No. Maybe my nuts got too big. I don't know. But no saddle. Just a breech clout. Just a breech clout. And yeah, your I balls just, just getting smashed yeah. from the time they drop. You know, yeah. one just their backs. I mean, the oh. toll that it took. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I, I know you just adapt to it and everything, right. but my goodness. Well, of course, I mean, there's a reason the lifespan was a lot shorter back then. Right. Sure, but yeah, that, and I think they were probably pretty small, smaller people. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. they were smaller in stature and everything. Be oh. like that old football coach we used to have. That yeah. was the bull rider, yep. just pure muscle. You know. Well, that, but that book does give you, I almost feel like you should read that book before you read Blood Meridian. Yeah. Because it, it gives you such a good picture of what, of what they were dealing with. Yeah, of what was actually going but, on. Because, and I know you've said it before, but the sheer horror of seeing a band of those Comanches come over yeah. a hill. Because I believe in that book, it talked about some of those raiding parties, they think numbered in the thousands. Oh, yeah. Of, and, and they still don't really know how big the Comanche nation, I'm using nation in air right. quotes here, how big it was because the Comanches would join up with the Wichita, yeah. which were kind of Gainesville, Denton area. area. Right. And uh, so they would, they were, the Wichita were almost, that's the one tribe that the Comanches could get along with was the Wichita. And there was another one. Didn't was, they do, didn't they sometimes do some stuff with the Kiowas also? Was that in there? I can't remember. There was another tribe I know they mentioned that they but partnered there was, up. There were with several the times. small tribes in North Texas yeah. that, you know, out of necessity became partners with the Comanche. It was that or freaking die. Right. You know? you know, they, but yeah, that's that's a fascinating book. And when you switch with Gus, you're gonna be equally fascinated with Salvation on Sand Mountain. Yeah, and that's the snake handling. Yeah, I've been yeah. wanting to read that that's for a while. That's a very good book. Back to, not that Comanche Talk's not always fascinating, but back to Toledo's question about a bug out bag. Oh. Now, I don't believe in the idea of bugging out. I mean, that's like your last possible resort. Yeah, that's because pure, pure fugitive. That's, you're on the road then. You're on the road, and you know there's a big difference between... One man being on the road versus a family on the road or yeah. even a couple on the road. Yeah. And not to knock women or anything, but most women aren't made for taking off and hit, hitting the road and having to cover 10, 15 miles a day. Well, I don't know Much about you, that. I don't know about that. Oh, you do too. You're just stirring shit. Why are you winking? You are stirring it's, shit. I don't know about that. I would not go that far as oh, to say you, that. It's please. much It's much easier to fortify at home than bug out. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. But I would have no problem, you know, going partnership on something like that <laughs> with a female. Well, I tell you one thing. If I'm going to bug to out, I want as many females as I can have <laughs> with me. Oh, well, I... I want as many females in my compound as I can get. The one thing, do you remember that show? And it got, they did a couple of seasons of it. I can't remember if it was Discovery. That Koresh Variety Show? Or History. That did, uh, was it Survival or something? Where they take Survivor? people? No, they take people from different backgrounds. And they would put them in. Wife Swap? The one episode I watched. Why didn't they ever get to fuck? The one That's episode the I watched. You're assuming they didn't. That's the. Well, of that, we need to stop down for that. You can't call something wife swap and you don't get to break off a piece. I need to know how that goes. I think that if you buy the DVDs, it's in the bonus material. Okay. That was one edited version. Best yeah. parts of a Chappelle show when he did the wife swap that they actually <laughs> fucked. Okay. Back to your, was it okay. your survival so this, this show. show? And it was in Los Angeles and they took these people and they put them in an uh, abandoned warehouse. That had a fence, like a tin metal fence around it. It was a old industrial thing. And it's kind of like they just show up and meet each other. And then you have, they're complete strangers. And there's certain things, you just have to use what's in the facility right. to, so I mean, you have nothing. You have no water. You have whatever you can find in there. And there was, you know, they'd leave certain stuff. Yeah. Like this, and it was pretty interesting. The one that would get me about staying, and this is what made me think of the show, is once 
This sounds like a Lars von Trier film. Because you are going to have people that do wander around. Yes. And so you're going to have defense of if you're going to stay in place and if you have resources. And so in this series, they got into that, you know, there was one guy who was like, no, we just need to fight them off and that kind of stuff. And this other one was like, well, let's kind of, let's trade. Let's do some bargaining and see what we can, what they have that we, you know, and it made you think it's almost kind of how tribes would have been Mm -hmm. back in the day. What do you have that I need? Right. You don't have anything? Okay. Then we're going to kill all of you and take over your resources oh, right yeah. here, you know? You know, and, and those Comanches were big on the rape, too. Yeah. Big fan of the rape. I'm pretty sure that if society breaks down, unfortunately, the rape factor is going to go well, up. Yeah, you look at common warfare. It's insane. In, yeah. Look at what happened in Kosovo and Bosnia oh, yeah. and even yeah. in some of those African countries. Ooh, yeah. yeah, it's it's insane. Yeah, I mean, anytime there's just all out warfare, you're going to have a lot of rape. And yeah. even that struck me from that book. There's, yeah, and it, you know, even when it's professionals, like they're you know, I, one of my favorite things to to read about is is the decolonization of Africa and like, all the shit that just blew up and went to hell. And there was a in the Congo, my corps had a, a bunch of professionals. That he was, you know, driving against the the insurgents, and he couldn't even control all these professional soldiers that mm-hmm. were from Korea, the Korean War era, and all these guys that were quote unquote professionals, mercenaries. He, mercenaries. He couldn't even stop them from raping the shit out of everybody. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just it just goes down, and you, you get boiled down to minimal it's that primal instinct. Yeah, minimal human instincts, and uh, yeah, and I mean you. You got to hand it to certain, I mean, when countries break into civil war and I mean, that's the warfare in itself, you know, the death and dying and all that stuff is horrible to watch. But then just to think about what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. That kind of stuff. And just the, the abuse. I mean, whether it's right, but just the beatings and the. Our, our civilization, as much as we like to think how civilized we were, it, I, we are or, or we were? Are. Okay. I don't think it would last very long. I mean, if it really went to shit, like if we had some talking about our civilization is in the United States. The United States. Yeah. That, I, I think that... I think it would break down quick. It would I break was, down very quickly. I was actually thinking about this yesterday and was going to ask y'all's take on it. Like, I guess two well, parts to it. One is, let's say that everything did break down and there was no... There was no law enforcement capabilities whatsoever. So it was mm-hmm. basically just... Anarchy and free game. Yeah. Like, number one, what do you think would be some of the, you know, what do you think things would look like just in general? And number two, like, what percentage of the laws that are in place do you think you would continue to follow? Yeah. Well, and let me talk, I said I think it would break down quickly. I want to rephrase that because I have been pretty amazed at during the Hurricane Harvey stuff about how... But And I think it goes of what happens. I think it boils down to what happens in a disaster. The mentality of the people is just really going to show you the mentality of the people. I've been blown away by the amount of just, I mean, on day one, the amount of volunteers that just poured in. Right. You right. know, and even people that lived there. Yes. That just, you know, we got to go help folks out and it didn't matter black white mexican any no, I mean, all been, that stuff's out the window it's been at that reassuring point. that that humanity it hasn't yeah you know we went which from, is completely different than what we saw during katrina yes yeah and i think and that's why maybe there's some guilt well that's what well and two i preface some of that was saying the mentality of the people i mean because new orleans is a crazy ass place true i've never been to new orleans i would yeah. love to go to new orleans sounds went, just like a i fun, love it but it's crazy it sounds like just a fun crazy ass place i went it's the like year after work. yeah at, for for work uh-huh. and i talked to people that were involved and that got i mean facilities that got flooded out uh-huh. and what they had to deal with uh-huh it's awful yeah. yeah it was like a third world country i mean a guy there. i work with the one i talked about being the uh, heroin addict. He lived in New Orleans for 15, 20 years, you know, and he was there when Katrina hit. And he, it's like being in a different country. He fled, he fled the day before, which he said they just went 
north to a, a friend of his in the city. His family had a farm about an hour and a half north of New Orleans. So they just went out and hung out on the farm for a few days. Yeah. Then they were like, shit, we can't go home. He said, so they hopped in a van and drove to California. And just kinda, <laughs> they just kind of fucked around for about three weeks, you know, and then went back home. Now, that's one of the things that I think differentiates a even something as big as Harvey or Katrina. It's still localized. Mm-hmm. I think if we ever encountered something like a solar flare that knocked out the power grid right. or an EMP explosion Ugh, that I, would that's my biggest fry fear. everything out or something like that. Or super volcano or a super geyser Yellowstone Yellowstone going up right. or something like that. If everything if we if we didn't think help was coming, yeah, and we lost the things that tie us together now because we're tied together more than ever before. Right. Sure. If all of that stopped, that's where I worry, especially in the cities. <clears throat> I think your rural communities are going to fare better. Because they already, you know more people, yeah, and you rely on more people already right. because you buy your gas from Bill and yeah. your propane from. That's you true, know. and especially in the cities, and especially in Texas now, I am shocked by the amount of people that I meet and talk with and work with, even who they're new to the metroplex. They moved here from California. They moved here from Michigan. Right. They moved here. From yeah. wherever, after 08, you know, post 08, they've come here. They have nothing here. They yes. have no roots. No, right. no, no security No family. Network, you know. No support system. Nothing like that. So, yeah, that would, cities would be tough, but I. Well, I, if you lost that communication aspect, too, I where think, you could keep up with what's going on. Yeah, because the one would, thing. That would really throw things for yeah, a loop. Because the one thing, even through. Uh, Harvey, like my cousins in Houston, I mean, their neighborhood's flooded. Their houses never flooded. But I I would text them, you know, twice a day, right. keeping up with them. There was still communication. Yeah. And we there were checking still, on JJ, you know, every day yeah. to see how he was. And uh, so, yeah, communication, being able to communicate with the outside world, I think, is a is a big comfort well, when you're in that yes. situation. When I think in this, it, it's, you're more prone to panic in that aspect in the city than you are in the country anyway. Yeah. That like, if you all of a sudden couldn't communicate with everyone and know what all was going on. Yeah. People, you know, the rural communities are more used to being able to deal with that or it's not as big a concern for them. Right. Like they can handle their own business. They know, you know, what's around them, where to go for stuff, that kind of thing. Yeah. Versus in the cities, I think, that's where you get full-on panic. So there was an interesting show, I guess it's been about almost 10, 12 years ago, called Jericho. Did you ever Ooh, see that? yes, I saw that. That was pretty good. I've heard of it, but I so haven't seen it. So the premise of that was the there last were... last two episodes suck. Yeah, yeah, I mean... <laughs> they ran out of money, or hey, we got to wrap this up. Yeah, they got to wrap guys. this up. It, it did. But the first Is this season, about the wrestler? No. Okay. It's about a series of nuclear explosions that happen around the country, and the grid goes down... There's no communication. They, you know, they saw mushroom clouds. They know something's up. And then this town still struggles to keep semblance of order and everything. And they do for the most part. And it doesn't end up it's the geographic center of the United States sitting at the... I think there was something about that, yeah. yeah. But it, it was an interesting show from that aspect. I agree. It The yeah. second season, when they knew they weren't going to be able to bring it back, they kind of hurried right. to... To tie up a bunch of loose ends and it does falter there but yeah but it was a good it was a good show i do think the power grid going down would be that the biggest disaster we'd face yes yeah just because it affects so many things and you know i the the whole north korea nuclear threat right now i don't worry i mean it would be suck if they could hit someplace on the west coast without a doubt but that wouldn't destroy america you yeah. know we stopped having above ground nuclear detonations in the fifties and but you know, people were watching them from Vegas. Right. Yeah. So it a nuclear detonation, while it might kill millions of people in the Seattle area, mm-hmm. it wouldn't destroy America proper. We'd have right. some fallout and, you know, we'd deal with that. But that fallout existed in the fifties. Now, granted, cancer rates went up, you know, around <laughs> there and for a while they were Pulling. This is interesting. I, I started looking at this because I was toying with the city of Gustav about fallout stuff. But 
there was a study going on where they were collecting kids' baby teeth, and they were measuring them for strontium-90, which is one of the elements, the, yeah. the isotopes that falls out of nuclear detonations. There was a marked increase in strontium-90 yeah. in St. Louis, and that was because that was kind of the geographic, you know, heartland. And they, even though that was hundreds and hundreds of miles away, they were monitoring that in huh. the 50s to see the strontium-90 well, this build and up. Two, just those other strange effects that come with radiation, like a the guy we grew up with that we've mentioned before, I saw him today. He married a gal from, she grew up in one of those Eastern Bloc countries. Yeah. She grew up nice in the, callback. She grew up in the Soviet Union. So she wasn't in Russia. She was not in Russia. She grew <laughs> up in Hungary. And uh, That wasn't part of the Soviet Union, technically. That was part of the Warsaw Pact. Okay. You're correct. You are correct. See how I did that? <laughs> right off the bat, I was like, you know what? You're correct. I didn't plant a flag. Oh, he is planting a flag right now. And, uh, make no, oh, make I, no. Uh, the, uh, but anyway, mistake. I'm well aware first, of passive aggressive heavy. <laughs> when they first got married, I mean she she had several miscarriages, like I think four. And you know they went, you know, going to the doctors and all this stuff, and and they figured out the doctors did some genetic testing and stuff, and it was you know all kinds of all kinds of tests. It was from the contamination and pollution and radiation that she was exposed to as a child yeah. growing up in Hungary. That was, now, now they have two healthy, beautiful children. But it's funny, we were talking today, she was talking about how, you know, she's going to have to fix me some some of these hung, Hungarian meals, and her husband was like, some of it's good, but you need to, <laughs> you need to ask before you eat everything. Entrails. I mean, they eat Everything, yeah. you know. She was talking about when they first, after they got married and moved back to the States. Had a she, wedding cake, had a haggis. She, <laughs> she said, she said, you know, I'd, I'd been to the States for work, but I'd it'd just been for work and I'd gone back. I'd never lived here. And uh, Buddy started laughing. He said the first time she went to the grocery store, he said, I thought she was going to have a panic attack. She said, you know, she said, I grew up in a communist. Overstimulated. She said, I grew up in a communist country. And she said, I grew up fine. You know, I mean, we didn't have, you know, I didn't go without anything. But she said, I, I didn't, when I got here, the first time I we went to the grocery store, she said, there's so many choices. I was, there's so much pressure. Which loaf of bread do I buy? You know, growing up, you had three choices. Right. This You can get one of these three. Our buddy said he he was doing something on another island. He comes back and said she's standing there holding two cans of pork and beans, looking at them, reading the labels, and she's like, "Which one do I? Which one do we get?" He's like, "Get that one. Why that one? Oh, that's the one my mom bought. Well, what's the difference in them? Nothing. They're the exact same. Then why are they in two different cans? (laughs) (laughs) Don't you feel uh, like we're overbreaded too? Like, uh, do we need that many different uh, loaves of bread? That Mrs. Baird's, right? That was yeah. her. That was her point. White. She's like, she's like, I turned the the cart down the bread aisle. She said, it's a whole. Uh, she's like, I'd never seen anything like that in my life. She's like, why is there so much bread? There shouldn't, you know, there should only be Mrs. Baird. There's, you know, a couple of options is all you need. With those and old I'm, commercials where they'd split the uh, top oh, and Vernon yeah. talking to us, man, I would. I can't tell you, talk about panic attack going to a grocery store. When I first started traveling and I went to a grocery store to buy, you know, well, I don't want to have to eat out every night. I want to get some something to eat. Make You're a strolling sandwich. through a Ralph's. Yeah. You and couldn't find Mrs. Baird's. there's no fucking Mrs. Baird's. They don't have that up no, there even now? No. You go, I mean, I, I've never seen it in California or Michigan or Colorado. We just get whatever's cheapest. Mrs. Baird's is, it's not the cheapest, but it's the best. Yeah. yeah. It's not as good since Bimbo bought no, it. No, it's not as good, but it's still better than all the rest. I, yeah. I, I pray for your children. Yeah. I'm a fan of the Texas Toast, too. Oh, Ooh, God, that's the Texas Toast. I mean, don't come at me with a grilled cheese if it ain't made on Texas Toast. You know what's good is thick sliced bologna oh, on, that fried Texas, on that Texas toast bread. Son, Son with some mayo God. slathered all over mustard, it. Mustard all the way, mayo. baby. Oh, only mayo. Spicy mustard. little mater, little mm. garden tomato on there. Tomato. Wow. Good How stuff. the hell are you eating bologna with mustard? Because I, I ain't a savage eating mayonnaise. Shit. You know you what mayonnaise like is? It has to be Kentucky Fried Chicken coleslaw. That's the only one sweet I tolerate. Coleslaw. Do you like yeah. ranch yeah. dressing? No. Coleslaw is oil and egg whites. 
or mayonnaise is <laughs> mayonnaise is you making is, some fucked up coleslaw. <laughs> man, that's the worst coleslaw ever. Right? I now, know damn, this coleslaw slide on is cabbage oil and egg whites. I that's know what it, it is, or or even a whole egg and a little bit of vinegar, and it's delicious. Well, I love vinegar, I love eggs, and I love oil. So yeah, fuck it. Exactly. I mean, pull them all together, exactly. mix it up with a blender. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love mustard. Yeah, love it. I love mustard. But mayo is mustard's best friend. We have still not answered Toledo's legitimate question what to put in the bug out. <laughs> Hell, okay. I don't know. I'm not here's, planning here, on bugging here's out. What, here's what I would suggest. Okay. You need a water filtration system. Vienna sausages. A small one of those pump ones. Iodine, so a small little bottle of iodine tablets. Actually, they make better stuff than iodine tablets now. Whatever the fuck. Take your iPhone. Ah, no, because you're wanting to hide. He's. I'd want like a down comforter. He's wanting probably. to hide, so abandon that phone because they're going to track you on that phone. He's he's exactly right. Yeah, I'm and trying to make jokes here, heavy. The uh, <laughs> I just I mentioned would, down comforter. Well, I would get. I would take. A, we'll talk about that in a moment. A pocket knife. Leatherman. A Leatherman. Spider-Man? A, <laughs> a fillet knife. What Shit, the, you can do that with a pocket knife. What are you going to be filleting in West Texas? <laughs> oh, no. Bass fishing uh, in Mahaya? That's South Texas. Yeah, I know. Central I just, Texas. It's the first town that came to mind. Fuck the, uh, a folding knife and a... You're going to be bass a, fishing in, skin, in Midland? A, a folding knife and a skinning knife. Like a buck knife type thing. Can't, a hunting just, knife. Just one good... And, Socks. Fixed blade knife, you're good. You need good, like, backpacking socks, like thick socks, and then some liner socks. You need those. Do you prefer wool liner or synthetic liner socks? I prefer... You got to go synthetic. I prefer the synthetic. Wool has a place. It does have a place, but... Especially if if you're dealing with wet and cold. Yeah, I like the synthetic. But the socks need to be of a woven variety, you know, something that's airy. But Breathable. It's, but it's cushiony. You know, something that when you wash it, you can hang it up by the, your little bitty campfire and it's going to be dry in the morning. Your Dakota keyhole fire. Yes. So I would suggest some type of small trowel or uh, possibly a, a, an e-tool or something that you can mm-hmm. dig with because you're going to want to be able to dig yeah you gotta at least dig to cover up your shit if you're hiding yeah in survival mentality and i'm glad you mentioned multiple knives and actually two water issues two is one one is none if you don't have a backup of something yeah and your primary breaks you're right. fucked right so you'd absolutely but at the same need that. time you gotta keep everything lightweight gotta go lightweight now if for your fixed blade knife I would suggest something with a full tang. Yes, absolutely. And something always thick enough. Always go full tang. Always go full tang. Something thick enough that you can baton with. You're right. And chop with if you need to. You know, I've got one of those old, like, 1984 and 85, the old buck knife. No Rambo knife? No, just a no, buck knife. Black and silver. <laughs> yes, with the black. I think it's called the, there's a number. Yeah, they I always have numbers, yeah. It's got the old black sheath. Yeah. That it goes in. It's just the old buck hunting knife, you know, and it's got a good thick blade on it. Hell, I've chopped, you know, cedar boughs with that thing before. Those buck I've done. knives hold up. This is going to be, he's giving me so much mark stuff. He's doing yeah. a great job. Right. He's refilling that. So, lost yeah, hard you need drive. a good fixed blade knife. You need a, a lighter. Definitely. You need a fire steel. Yep. And between those two, the fire steel is not indefinite. I've actually worn them out and done them so much that they snap off. They get yeah. so thin. I'd That's probably try lot. to cart some kind of maybe three burner propane grill. Maybe a, <laughs> maybe fish a cooker. Yeah. <laughs> I'd bring probably a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> a Friday. Get you some. A microwave. No, shit, don't get ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I'm thinking like a toaster oven. Right. Versatile. That's very versatile. Yeah. You want uh, maybe a dishwasher. Okay. You want to keep your shit clean. You're going to need a a stainless steel pot of some sort. Which they make a variety of really good stainless steel mess kits these days. And you want it's a lid. Not the, 
Yeah, not the, the aluminum, aluminum shit, shit that we grew up with. That we melted so. I mean, that, how many of those did we destroy? <laughs> uh, yeah, stainless with a with a lid, so you can boil stuff. You're going to need some way to collect water. Mm-hmm. So some type of tarp that you could do that you could make a real thick mill, but maybe not like a you know the de facto blue tarps or anything, but just some uh, some sheeting. Clear plastic. Could, clear plastic that you could make a solar still if you had to, and you can use your um, stainless steel pot to collect the water in. So you can use something your else to I would recommend, out. and they're very lightweight, and I always laughed at these, but they do freaking work. Is those damn space blankets? Well, so yes, yeah, so, now they things have gotten a lot better since we were kids. Yeah, and even the the fold up pocket one, bless you, that you could put in, you know. We've used those. We've used those to augment a reflector fire, and we mm-hmm. stayed super toasty on a cold night. They make one that uh, it's more durable now. Oh yeah, and it's it's orange on one side and silver on the other, and it's not just a crinkly piece of mylar. Yeah, way better. It costs like ten or twelve bucks. You can even Is get them in Walmart still now. Small. It's small enough. It's okay. probably you know probably ball up to about the size of the two Coke bottles. Okay. I mean, it's not like pocket size, but it's, gotcha. it's relatively small. Now, they make bivy bags that are, you can get the low end that are basically just a Mylar bag like that made mm-hmm. out of it, but you can get them that are a little bit higher end, and those really will keep you, you could survive with those. So, if you're in a backcountry situation, I'd recommend getting one of those that with the clothes on your back. Because you that'd be the thing in, in West Texas if... I'd bring a coffee maker. Yeah, French that. press. Yeah, maybe espresso. You, uh, you're you're probably going to be sleeping on the ground. Yeah, so it's going to be cold at night. So warmth would be an issue. And you're not going to have a whole lot of you know if you're in the East Texas or North Texas, you can make a, a bedding platform out of you know leaves and right. whatever, and get some insulation. Even piss poor as that is, West Texas. Yeah, you're going to be working to ever come up with that right. especially if you're hiding i mean if you're hiding shit west texas is not the place i'd want to hide no mm-hmm. not a lot of cover with the mesquite no and you know there's that brad talks about it he's wanted to talk about it come on here about that guy that was up in what was it uh was yes. it Maine? oh yeah Maine or new hampshire yeah, i think, I think it was Maine. i think it's Maine. that hit out for like 15 years yeah, yeah. would steal it's stuff a from fascinating their houses. story fascinating and then story. there was that guy a different story that was, I think they got him for killing forest rangers or game wardens up, like, where was he at, Montana or, do you remember that story? I don't recall I that. need to look into that. There was a whole thing that he was a modern day mountain man that they ended, he'd break into like uh, ranger cabins and stuff mm-hmm. for emergency cabins and they finally got him after he shot somebody. That's, I was going to say funny you say that, it's not funny that he killed somebody, but... The buddy of mine that had the relatives in Washington State that we stayed with, the brother was he was he was an outdoorsman, he was a rounder kind of guy, and he, he was one of those that's always kind of in trouble with the forest rangers and the game yeah. wardens and that kind. Of, he'd gotten a, he was bitching when he picked us up at the airport. He'd gotten a ticket uh, from like the tribal game oh, wardens yeah. for fishing on. It was on tribal. Like, you, like you can fish on this side, but you can't fish. They're like, you know, that's tribal land. Why were you fishing over there? Well, because shit, that's where the fish are. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that was that was his only rebuttal. Because yeah, that's where the fish are. <laughs> Why are you looking under the light? Well, hell, that's where I, only place I can see. <laughs> right. Well, I think we've uh, hit the end of our rope here. Although we could talk about this for a lot and. You know, we need to get KJ. He's fascinated by the zombie angle of this. He likes oh, to yeah. talk about this yeah. sort of stuff because he's Mr. Walking Dead. I, I'm like two or three seasons behind. I've I never seen up. one I episode. Up. I gave up. I heard it's good, but I've never seen I it. Enjoyed I've never been it. into zombies. I, I enjoyed it from the aspect of what are you going to do when civilization breaks down? Right. Yeah. And that, that would be interesting. And that was interesting to watch, you know, cause you had some that, you know, tried to form a community, but even in that community, there's friction. You've got to have a leader, you know, somebody has to lead, you know, right. that's even at work, you know, even if you're all equals, somebody 
Too many cooks even, in the kitchen. I mean, you might have a supervisor, but even the, there still has to be kind of a team lead. Right. You need a hierarchy. You know? So yeah. my goal, I would let Heavy be the leader, but I would be like the little finger working behind the scenes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd take that. I'd, I'd be the Varus. I think yeah. I'd be like, I'd probably be like the dragon. The dragon? Yeah. I, I could see How that. freaking just, where you kind of, you've seen yeah. that. Were you let down when you realized that, holy shit. The Night King's gonna have a freaking dragon now, and then that whole scene where it's blowing up the wall was that. It feels like, a little like they're wrapping this thing up. Yeah, this, this whole season, but that's. I mean, they yeah. got to wrap it up too. Well, this whole season to me was you could definitely tell they're ahead of the original writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's because, some definite because this whole season, you know, it seems to me that leading up to this season, there was even. You know, say you're going from, you know, Danny was going from kingdom, this kingdom to this kingdom. It kind of tracked her trip along the way and what right. happened. Where in this season, they it's teleport. Just, yeah. They just fucking show up. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. like, well, they, well, holy shit. I, I feel like they. Earlier in the show, you were at such and such place. And part of this is because they're wrapping it up. And then part of this is because, you know, as good as they are. They're not as good as the original writer. Yeah, the story is authors. much less complex now, yes. but yeah. the optics are amazing. Yeah, no, I feel like great. they're, they're yeah. making up for some of that with the optics. I mean, yeah. I like watching the the ice dragon, you know, I, I throw down figured, on the wall. I figured. Did that, you like that? Yeah, yeah. But I, I figured the, like just that. the look of it. Not, I figured the wall uh, was going to fall anyway. Like the Night King was going to come after. I thought maybe that since Bran he touched, he'd gotten Bran. You know, he could see him now uh-huh. that. He was going to be able to like touch it and break the magic because the wall's magic. I yeah. mean, there's yeah, that's the whole point of it. It wasn't just oh, we got this bunch of ice. It's you know? the David Copperfield of walls, yeah, or the Doug Henning. Whoa, magic! It's an illusion. It's for all of our. So that was our dragon. I mean, that was our Game of Thrones Doug Henning review. Yes, there you go. All right, tell us what you think you would do in West Texas. I'm sure Trav is going to write up a full email about that. Yeah. And we welcome that. Email us at canyouhearmepod at gmail.com, and I guess we'll talk to you later. Adios. Bye. On the roads, it was a white line nightmare. Only those mobile enough to scavenge, brutal enough to pillage, would survive. The gangs took over the highways ready to wage war for a tank of juice. I don't go south of the border. It's just one thing that Leonard Washington don't do. But, but Leonard, it's okay. I'm, I'm waxed. Damn! Now I done heard of trimming the hedges. But you done scorched the earth. And world-class championship wrestling. I'm Bill Mercer with Jay Sally. Good night from Dallas, Texas.